Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hi, everybody. My name is Jennifer Mulholland. This is Jeff Shuck. We're the co-owners of Plenty. For those of you who don't know anything about us, we invite you to visit plentyconsulting.com. We help support conscious leaders who want to make a difference in the world and design social purpose strategies for those leaders to do so. And we're so grateful that you took the time to tune in to this episode on awareness. We're going to be unpacking what it means to be a conscious leader and specifically focusing on one of the ways that we bring that consciousness to the world and to our lives and our work is through becoming more aware. So we're grateful to be here in our meandering conversations. I'm calling to you from snowy Park City, Utah, Jeff's tuning in from his hometown, Michigan City, Indiana. How are you today, Jeff? I'm great. And I always, I think I always say it's gray here today, but it's actually a lovely blue sky. Incredible. The lake's amazing. So it's a lovely Friday in late January. And this is actually our second crack at trying to do a podcast about awareness. And we're going to tell that story in a second. But first, we want to just recap for those of you who are tuning in new, this kind of mini series that we're doing about what it means to be a conscious leader. So that's a phrase that Plenty has used for a few years. We say we, we help conscious leaders make a difference. And we've had lots of conversation, especially over the last year, about what does that mean? And so we started to do a small series at the beginning of January about a few dimensions of what it, we think it means to be a conscious leader. And that's maybe how I'd start and say there's a thousand different ways to talk about what we think it means to be a conscious leader, but we've picked four dimensions that we think are really interesting. The first is being present. And if you missed it, you can tune into our last episode. I think it's episode 24. And hear us talk about what it means to be present. How can we be here now, drop the multiple things we're doing and the need to multitask and bring our full attention to the moment that we're in and what happens when we do that. Do you want to go through the the second that we're going to tee up today? The second we're going to unpack a little deeper and today in our conversation, and that is around awareness. A conscious leader is aware. That means that they have heightened sensitivity and attention to their senses, to what we hear, what we see, what we feel, what we sense. And that comes from the ability of presence. So when we are present, we heighten our ability to become more aware. We also talk about it in in the terms of seeing what is, not necessarily the stories we want to make up or future telling, but really being able to attune our attention to what is here right now. Where do we sit? What is on offer? What is happening in the moment? And that helps us make sense of this multidimensional universe that we all live in. So that's where we're going to be today. There's two more parts that we're going to talk about, although we have some great guests coming up in the next few episodes. So it may not be, stay tuned for parts three and four people, because it may not be exactly next week. 
But once someone's present and aware, they become more connected. And that's the third thing we're going to talk about later in this series is what it feels like to understand that we're part of a community, that as people, we're, we're meant to be part of a community. We're not meant to go it alone. And the joy and sometimes the learning and the practice that comes from realizing we're all connected, not only to each other, but to something bigger than ourselves, right? That we're not just physical beings, that there's inspiration and spirit and divinity and hope that's running through us. So that's the third piece. And the fourth piece is this idea that a conscious leader is wired for good. And as you heard Jeff share in the, in the beginning, you know, conscious leaders are really wired to make a positive difference in the world. Being a conscious leader is a choice. That means often that we are idealists. We serve in the spirit of making things better. Um, we have visions of altruism and wanting to do good in the world. And so often it, it comes from this idea that success often comes from serving others and the benefit of creating good for all involved, we like to say. And that leaning um, comes with empowered choice. So what are the choices that we can make in our lives, make in our work that make this world a better place and orient there for serving in a better way? Yeah. So present, aware, connected, aligned for good. It's a nice set of things that help define what it means to be a conscious leader. And as I said before, there's lots of ways to define that. And we hope you'll listen to the past year of episodes to, to, uh, to hear us play with many other ways to define that. And we have great guests coming up who will help us unpack that. But for today, we want to focus on this idea of awareness and as I mentioned at the beginning, it's not our first take on this episode. So to set up a little bit, we wanted to share this story. And maybe I'd start by saying really big believers in habits, particularly at the beginning of the year. Like this is a time that we all dedicate ourselves to deciding the kind of people that we want to be for the year ahead. And you know that Jen and I are really intentional. So we really thrive in that environment and quote James Clear, who wrote a great book called Atomic Habits. We don't rise to the level of our goals. We rise to the level of our habits. So Jen and I have a habit of recording every Friday. It's a really great pattern. It really works for us. It's a nice way to recap the week. It's a nice way to kind of take a step back and think about how we want to talk with all of you, people that we really care about and, and love. And I think last week we missed it. Last week we, we came in on Friday and we were aware that we were not in the mood to record a podcast. There was just lots of shit going on to be the guy to get the explicit tag. I feel great about that. So we kind of, so I think we got points for awareness last week by saying, eh, we're not feeling it. But because we believe in the power of habit, we've rescheduled for this Tuesday and we were going to record about awareness. And we did record about awareness. <laughs> the mood hasn't hadn't changed. <laughs> On my end, I will just totally own. I woke up irritated. I felt off. You know the feeling. You're just not yourself. And we powered through and felt like we needed to get it done. And maybe I think it was the next day, Sierra and I had a talk in the front room and I said, you know, I'm not sure we want to publish that one. 
I just was in a really shitty mood and place. And that's not the brand of Plenty. And that's not how I want to represent us. And even though it was fine and we had good content and it just didn't come from a feeling where I was feeling connected or proud of what more of like where I was coming from and the energy of it. And what actually happened in the episode is Jeff and I work very diligently. We have for the past six years on how we dance and how we align in co-leadership and co-ownership. And we were misaligned in how we were defining and explaining awareness. It what we both had wonderful, you know, rambles, I would say, about defining it and sharing it, but would say we were less aligned than we desire to be. So um, Sierra was so helpful in saying, you know, I think you should that that feels great if you don't feel like it's in alignment to publish. We have no need to publish. It's only on our own timeline, on our own commitment of what we want to release and what we don't. And it was a really helpful reminder. And she encouraged me to use this as the case study, which was brilliant, to say, you know, this is part of living, breathing, walking the talk around what our own awareness. And sometimes awareness comes forth when we're feeling great and everything's working and we're in the flow and we have the synchronicities and the signs. And sometimes awareness comes with the feeling of it's not now. I'm not feeling it. I'm pushing through. And that was a really helpful criteria to say, okay, well, let's pause it and let's try again. So here we are trying again. Yeah. And a, a couple of things. One, if you don't know, and you, and you might not know, the Sierra we're making reference to is Sierra Hayes, who's our manager of experience. And she's behind the scenes right now, pulling the strings and telling us what to say. And she's incredible. And when you come out to visit us in, in Park City at HeartSpace, which we hope you do this year safely, of course, you'll meet her and she'll be part of showing you an incredible level of hospitality. So, so that's one point I wanted to make. The second point is, I think this leads us into a few points about awareness and its role in being a conscious person and leading a conscious team or being a part of a conscious family. And maybe the entree into it is we both kind of knew, right? We both kind of knew even when we had just finished recording or probably during it, that it wasn't great. It was good. It was okay. It wasn't even good. Yeah, and we both said that. We said it was good, not great. Yeah, and, and it turns out, I think we had a great podcast that was two separate podcasts. Jen did a good, good podcast, and I did a good podcast, and they weren't integrated in any way at all. <laughs> and, um, and that's not super interesting to listen to, as it turns out. And that's a good, like, if it's not interesting to us, we're guessing it's not interesting to you. But the kind of entree into talking about awareness specifically is, is not ignoring the feeling. And we often kind of know, we kind of know that something is off. We kind of know that we like somebody or we don't. We kind of have a hunch. And it's amazing how often we then over-intellectualize that and talk ourselves out of it. And specifically, 
for those of you left brainers out there, you've heard that we, you know, we do a lot of financial analysis in our work and have a, have a background in that and would, would tell you from an economic standpoint, this idea of holding on to sunk costs costs much more heartache than the idea of missing opportunities. And what a sunk cost is, is a cost that you can't get back. So specifically, it's tempting to say, well, we put an hour into recording the podcast. Like, wow, that was a lot of investment in time. Let's use that. Why would we waste it? Why would we not leverage that in some way? But that time is sunk. We're never going to get it back. So actually, it can't factor into our decision-making at all. What factors in is, well, was it good enough? And most of the time we work with people, the tendency is to latch on to things that are already gone instead of looking at the moment fresh. And I think that's part one of this idea of awareness we wanted to play with a little bit. Well, in, in do fashion, you just brought up a bunch of threads. So I'm going to pick one that, you know, to reemphasize, I think we all know, we don't kind of know, we know. And what the habit is, is we kick into our intellectual thought pattern to justify from an analytical standpoint, what's comfortable and what's not. And learning to trust our knowing is one of the greatest paths of a conscious leader to become aware of how does our knowing speak to us? How do we feel it? How do we sense it? And we'll go there in just a minute. But that this idea, Jeff, that you're, you're talking about is not only time, it's the quality of what we put forth matters. And so we had an opportunity to say, yes, we spent this time, so therefore we should use it. But it didn't it wasn't congruent with our aspirations. It wasn't congruent with our values and the quality that we have committed to attempting to put forth and attempting to be. And that was, it's helpful in that case of saying, did this meet the quality of our own standard? Not that it has to be perfect and eloquent and scripted. It's never scripted. We'll just tell the listeners that way. I think that comes across. <laughs> that it does. But the quality of the, the vulnerability, the, the quality of the real share. And what I think was a qualifier in my own observation of the hesitancy of sharing it is I felt really in my head. There is such a difference between pontificating and being in my academic intellectual mind and speaking from that place versus dropping into my heart space and sharing from that vulnerability. It's more personal. And honestly, it connects more. It connects more to me. It connects more to us. And so I think all the, the awareness of quality, the awareness of time, I love that, like the awareness of are we using our mental mind to justify and to understand and to figure out or are we coming from a deeper place of sharing? That level is determined by your own awareness of where you float into. Oftentimes for me, I can easily float into my head and it doesn't connect as much as it does when I'm dropped in fully in my heart. So I think what you were teasing up to go there is, is this art of also 
not making a story about things, but really seeing what is here right now. Like, what is that information? And maybe would just ask you personally, Jeff, you know, if this idea of being aware, one of the qualities is to see what is and to be right here in observer mind without making it, without identifying with it, I would say, just what do you see from an observer mind with a little distance? How do you practice that maybe or share an example of when that has become really present to you, the power of awareness and seeing what is? Yeah, and you're totally right. I I appreciate you rolling with there's kind of two themes that we're playing with here just to make sure we we've oriented people who who are with us. You know, one is this idea of that Jen's talking about of of dealing with information as it is now. And the other is the fact that there's so much more information available to us than just mental information. And those are kind of the two threads we want to play with. So to that first one, Jen, that you teed up, I think it's that is such the practice, you know, dealing with information as it stands right now, not the information that was or the information that could be. And I think again and again, not just in our personal lives, but in our work, I feel like it's a major practice we're coaching people with and learning ourselves, right? And most of the people we work with, you know, are very skilled and are very experienced and and have a lot of time and accomplishments under their belt. And that's fantastic. But what was isn't what is. And what might happen isn't what is. And so that is the idea of awareness is you don't have to throw away your experience and you don't have to stop scenario planning, but can you make decisions more presently with what's happening now? And there's cues to it, to what you're teeing up. So I'll run through those and then I'll stop because I'm not exactly sure I'm going every place you were, you were teeing up. But, you know, when we hear ourselves say, well, I wish I would have. Or I can't believe that, or that didn't turn out the way. Those are cues that we might be living in a past state. And there might be new information right now that is right now. And in a similar way, if we hear ourselves say, well, what if I'm concerned that I'm worried that those are cues that we're in a future state and not making decisions on what is, you know. And this often comes up, we have lots of examples from our clients, but before we go there, maybe I'll pause and say, is that, is that where you were, where you were going in terms of practice about making decisions based on what is now instead of what was or what might be? Yes, I think that's brilliant. And it's really helpful. Those questions can cue you as to what state you are in and are you really here? We have cues that can anchor us back into this present moment. And maybe we'll go there now and then uh, see if we can share some personal and practical examples from our work that support these two ideas. But to a bit juxtapose or support what Jeff just outlined around past and future thinking, these questions around what was and what could be, how do we get ourselves here and how do we notice these cues that are alive and well beyond our mind? 
oftentimes our bodies speak to us. And for many of you, this is not new. This is not rocket science. This is getting back to basics. But living in an information age and living on devices and being in the technology world, we have become more disconnected to ourselves and to nature than ever before. And we have this like invitation to come back to nature, not only outside, but inside our true nature. And our true nature speaks to us in a multitude of ways. It has so many different languages that are, I believe, way beyond our five senses. But when we cue ourselves to listen to our body's whispers, we then can notice what's on or off for ourselves. What opens us, what contracts us. So think about your body. Like when you're in a conversation, we use this analogy all the time in Lantern that oftentimes when we are following our passion, we really care about something, we lean in, our adrenaline moves through us. I turn red in the face and I get red and splotchy on my neck. I start talking a lot with my hands. My voice gets louder. My heart rate increases. There are physical and biological changes in my body that occur when I'm in alignment with what I care about. It also comes when we're in a conversation and I feel really contracted or shut down or it doesn't feel good. My body will tell me in some way or form that this is off. And whether that's a headache, a stomach ache, a closure of my arms, for me, I kind of get agitated and being an athlete, I like have to move, I have to pace, I have to like get it out. But those are body's cues. A couple of other ways that we can get present is what do you hear in the moment? So if you're on a Zoom call or you're, you know, driving, like what are you hearing? Where are people coming from? What do you see? Are there synchronicities? Are there signs? Do you notice a license plate that has a word on it that is the exact word you needed in that moment? Does somebody out of the blue call you that is an answer to something that you hadn't even spoken you were needing an answer to? You know, what do you see? Can we brighten and broaden our awareness instead of like with blinders on, if you will, but can we broaden our sight literally to what's possible beyond our thinking? All of these ideas help us become really present and it heightens our awareness our attention, it broadens our attention of what we can assimilate, what we can receive, what we can make sense of that can inform our choices of how we live more consciously. Last but not least, I would just say the reason why we believe that awareness is such a key is because we're living in such a vast multi-dimensional universe where some believe there are multiple possibilities happening at the same time we have to assimilate a lot more inputs. The more aware that we are, we're able to digest, to make sense of multiple inputs that can help inform our path. And we can do that with intention, with a choice that we are part of the next step rather than life happening 
to us. I love where you're going. And there's a couple things that it strikes me that I think are worth sharing. And, and one theme, if you've worked with us or have been listening, that's a little bit underneath a lot of the, a lot of the topics we talk about is the idea, as Jen would say, we have one life. We don't have a work life and a professional life. You know, we're not just physical beings and we're not just mental beings. We're, we're actually created to have all these different ways of processing information. And one of the things that occurs to me as you're talking is many of you may have watched, there's, there's a wonderful TED talk by a guy named Ken Robinson, who's uh, unfortunately since passed away. And it's called something like our education system kills creativity. And he's a wonderful author and he's quite funny. And it's a great 15 minutes of your day to look this up if you haven't seen it. But one of the points he makes is the education system exists that the older you get, the more education becomes above the waist and to the left side of your head. In other words, we value math and we value finance and we value science. And we don't teach dance, even though we all have physical bodies. We deprioritize music, we deprioritize emotion. But actually, in most of your life, that's most of where the information comes from. But we've been told to believe that it doesn't count. And that's not to say, like, make every decision on a hunch or a fling. It's to say there are so many ways of taking in information. And it kind of it in, like, sports or in moments of crisis, we seem to applaud that, right? Like, we've all heard case studies of, of athletes who make a split-second decision and save the game or someone who in a moment has channels a superhuman strength and saves a child from a burning car wreck. And, but like in the rest of our life, we're supposed to say that that information doesn't matter. Well, you're to Jen's point, you're constantly processing information that's way too much for your mind to handle. And in fact, your body is not even designed that way. And there's lots of awesome examples. I just read a case study a couple of days ago it's not a couple of days ago case study, but I read it a couple of days ago about someone called Lieutenant Commander Michael Riley, who was in the Gulf War and was on a British naval ship and saw a radar blip. And it looked exactly like the blip that a returning British plane would make. But for some reason, he had a little hunch and he had about 30 seconds to decide whether to act on it. and Something in him told him, this isn't a plane, it's a missile. And he knew if he was wrong, he was about to kill a British sailor. But he fired, and it turned out he was right. It was an Iraqi missile. He saved about 300 people who would have been killed. And later, debriefing it, all his superiors could realize is, one, this person's a hero. And two, we're really lucky he didn't over-intellectualize things. Because what he did is process all this information that he had from his experience about what he felt, and he listened to that. So it's just so powerful, right? And it doesn't mean you can kind of make every decision on a whim, but it's so, it seems like it's so strong right now, Jen, and the people we coach that they listen to kind of the rest of their hunches outside of work. But when they get into the office, it's like that's supposed to be put aside. And if you can't put it on a PowerPoint, it doesn't count. But most of the information that matters that we process is information that's hard to explain. Don't you think? Yeah, I lo- and I love that story. I think it's a reminder that we can all be the hero. Mm. We all are the hero. And we have just f- 
fucking forgotten that because the heroism is in that example of listening to what really matters. A lot of the times that comes from training yourself to listen. So I, you know, oftentimes the, it's like the mother's instinct we hear about. Fathers have it too, right? There is an instinctual nature when you just know what you need to do or you don't have time to think, so you just act. And those are practice moments of how do we listen more to that key information, that key cue, that it oftentimes is quiet. It's not as loud as our minds because we've reemphasized and trained and valued our intellect for eons. And yet, to your point, how do we tap into more of the all of it? How do we tap into the wisdom in the room, as we like to say? It's often why, often the reason why not every time, but a lot of the time in our work, when we are facilitating in-person workshops, we will always get people to settle, to become present. Sometimes we ask them to close their eyes. Sometimes we take them through a guided meditation or a guided visualization to get them out of their heads and into their heart space. And often they're doing this at home. Um, we, I can tell you, I mean, how many times have we heard how uncomfortable it is to do it with your colleagues and your professionals and your bosses in the room, but you're doing this all day long or all week long in your yoga class or in your closet or, you know, and so it, it to your point, it can't be left for one aspect of our lives because we, we bring our whole selves to whatever we do. And part of the role of a conscious leader is attuning our awareness so that we can be that hero for ourselves and for the people that we lead. Because in that beautiful story you just shared, he didn't just save one life, he saved hundreds. Yeah. Because he acted on that instinct. And when we talk about our capacity to know, oftentimes it comes from our fourth chakra, our ability, like in our gut, to sense and to know. It's our center of our will. It's our heroic center. Like, so really how, looking at yourself, your life, how does that, how has that come for you? You've, you've had it just like we have, that knowing that comes forth and trusting it more is the practice and bringing it forth, taking it out of the box at home and bringing it forth to work because now more than ever, we need to create solutions in our careers, in our work, in our jobs, in our relationships that can help uplift humanity and make this world a better place. I love the point that you just made that everyone listening has had this. And I think that's really important that, you know, how often have you tried to learn something and maybe you had a coach or a friend who can do it well and they've, they've said, hey, get out of your head, you know, and or how, how often have you seen a child pick up something like skiing or piano and they just do it effortlessly it's because they haven't had the instinct beaten out of them right and often when we're learning new things we need to unlearn the tendency we have to over intellectualize it so again it's not saying that the intellectual isn't important and 
hell, I, I have a graduate degree in analytics. Like I've never met a spreadsheet I didn't like, but it's all BS, right? It's all guesses. And when I was the CEO of Event360 years ago, I used to have a little sign in my office in Chicago that said, the risk I took was calculated, but man, am I bad at math. And it was just kind of a goofy joke, and I like goofy jokes, but it was a subtle way of saying to my team, like, it's not about all these numbers we can make up in the spreadsheet. How do you, what do we think about it? Have you ever said to yourself, I took a hunch, and I wish I didn't. That's almost never said. But we often hear ourselves say, oh, shoot, I had a feeling and I didn't listen to it. Or I had a feeling and I talked myself out of it. You know, And the awareness that comes from step one of being present is that when we're present, we can slow down and say, like, how do I feel right now? What am I processing? I may have learned something about this, and I'll bring that to bear, but what's all this other information coming. Well, just to add one more thing, I think what we're really talking about is self-awareness. And there's so many levels, we're just picking a couple, right? But would it encourage you to explore how does awareness show up for you? And what's the benefit of increasing your awareness? You may not want to. I mean, sometimes it's more comfortable to not expand your awareness, but we wouldn't we don't believe that that's why you're listening. You know, conscious leaders are committed to making conscious choices. And the more empowered we can do that, the more heightened our awareness. Sometimes awareness comes from the realization that words won't help in this moment. Sometimes people are on a hamster wheel of just talking at, saying more, and all they're talking to is themselves. Sometimes in the moment, what's needed with awareness is being silent, is holding space, is really listening. You get to choose how you show up. The more aware you are, the more appropriate you are with your responses based on your attention of your awareness. And I think personally, I've really seen that. I just saw that this morning with my daughter's teacher of really listening to what was most helpful, holding space, sharing gratitude, offering support, very different in the moment response than it was last night with my son. He needed something totally different. Similar content, similar need, completely different awareness of what was needed in the moment. I like that. Before we, it's amazing. I think we're at like 45 minutes. Thank you for being here. I'd like to go back to this idea of dealing with the information as it stands right now and maybe saying a few words of that and then a few things of practice. Why don't we take a quick break before we get there and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about this idea of how we can deal with the information right in front of us. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, that sounds great. Hey, everybody. We wanted to take a break from this episode to tell you a little bit about our leadership retreat, Lantern. We've just announced our 2021 dates, and we'd love to see you there. Lantern is one of our most favorite things we get to do here at HeartSpace, our retreat center in beautiful Park City, Utah. 
It is a leadership retreat for conscious leaders like yourself who are really interested in making a difference in the world. It's four days with other people from around the globe who are choosing to create open space, to deepen the connection to themselves and to others, and to support you in creating your unique blueprint, really what you care about and what's on offer for this next chapter of your life as you go into 2021, doing it with intentional power, with conscious choice. And doing that in the support with others, as you really look at reinventing yourself or magnifying the strengths that you already have. 2021 is going to be our sixth year for this acclaimed retreat, and we'd love to have you there. There's never been a better time to invest in yourself. So to find out more, visit plentyconsulting.com slash lantern. We'll see you there. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us as we unpack awareness. We did want to revisit this idea of seeing what is. How do we stop the story? Most importantly, actually, let me reframe that. How do we observe the story? Because awareness is really about observation. Oftentimes, when you look at somebody else's piece of art, if you will, there's space between yourself and what you're observing. And what we're talking about is this idea that when we look at our own lives and look at our own story, we can apply that same principle of distance. We call it the observer mind. It's detached. It has a clearer ability to see what is right now without story. So maybe, Jeff, if you want to share an example of what we're talking about here, go a little deeper before we move into practice, that would be great. Yeah, this is the idea of just seeing the world as it is right now and letting go of fear and regret, basically. And I think one thing, again, I feel like we say this a lot, but the thing that we work a lot with teams on is helping them move faster by dropping the weight that they're carrying about what has happened in the past or what might happen. And there's a place for learning from from experience and there's a place for thinking about what's up ahead around the bend. But most of life is being right here, right now. And it, it's it's incredibly difficult to practice. So the story, a story Jen and I use a lot about this comes from a strategic planning session, which we call Meridian, which we did with a, one, a beloved group, a group we've worked with many, many years, came to HeartSpace a few years ago. And as part of the intake of that strategy process, we talk to people and we do interviews and we read their, their plans and dissect their strategy. And in this case, look at their financials. And in looking at their financials beforehand, Jen and I talked and one of the comments I made is, I'm amazed at how much cash is sitting in the bank. You know, this organization, if we're looking at the run rate, right, has about a year of spend in the bank and it's, it's great. It's also a tremendous amount of cash that could be deployed by, you know, investing in marketing, investing in development staff, being put into program. You know, these are, these are dollars that donors gave them to go into changing the world, not to be sitting in a bank account. And so our frame was, wow, this organization's in really great shape. And maybe you can pick up the second part of the story. What did the organization say when we brought them into HeartSpace? And specifically, before we even said anything about their financial, like what was their narrative about their financial? We're going out of business was their narrative. And 
Beyond that, I think specifically what we kept hearing in the language and revisiting this theme was instead of creating the highest possibility, which is what we help architect at Meridian, they were architecting their funeral. They were literally on a path, could not see how they would not go out of business because of their burn rate over the coming months. And we had to do a full stop with them around helping them see what is right now and seeing that their perception of the amount of cash that they had was more than enough possible to be able to, you know, accomplish their dream with even more assistance. But it took a while. It took ceremony. It took a lot of releasing. It took a lot of conversation to help them question what the story they were putting on what they were seeing. Yeah. And this is probably a whole separate podcast. So I'll just touch on this briefly. But in general, I think we're all much more skeptical of our possibility than we are skeptical of our worry. And it's great to be practical, but sometimes we really need to question our fears and we need to question our worries. And like, you know, we look at financial statements sometimes that say, that, that depend on an organization getting 100% growth a year. And look, that's probably not likely. And at the same time, we often hear companies and nonprofits say to us, well, if we don't get any more customers, we're going to go out of business. And like, hey, I hate to break it to you, but that's the case with every organization on the planet. Like, I mean, so how likely is it that you will get zero revenue in the next year? Like, is that really something that's possible? And sometimes, you know, we're so in our own experience that we can't get out of the way of the narrative we can, we've constructed about it. And you can just pick two people off the street and see how one person thinks $25,000 a year is an incredibly small amount of money. And another person may think, wow, that's a raise. So the part of awareness is about dealing with the information as it is. And to your point, Jen, being, being just even aware of whatever conditioning we might put on it, good or bad, and allowing ourselves to practice, to get into practice, allowing ourselves to practice a bit, being as skeptical of our concern as we are skeptical of our potential. Yeah, and as our coach, Barb Patterson says, you know, watch how much you're buying your thinking. That idea that we question our even thoughts, are they really true, is so helpful to create a little bit of skepticism, a little bit of space, a little bit of distance that can give us the ability to see what is right here and now without story, with becoming more of the observer that is really a powerful skill to have. And in that case, you know, they were in their own way. And once they made that self-limiting belief shift that we were able to help them see, what happens when we do that? If I think about my own life, when I can get out of my own way, I become more open to receive. And what happened with them as we helped to architect their possibility, they got a $25 million grant that next year. 
like unbelievable funds to then be able to actualize the big vision that they had and good for them. But it took a lot of shifting, right? And we all have that invitation to shift our awareness. Again, what are we putting our attention on? Whatever we put our attention on grows. And so are we putting our attention on worry? Are we putting attention on fear? Or are we putting it on openness and possibility and our senses of what is right here, right now? No, but that's a, that's a great practice. I mean, step one is trying to pay attention where, to where you're putting your attention. And the, I'll give us uh, another tool and balance it back to you. Uh, we're both huge proponents of journaling. There's lots of great journaling tools out there, five-minute journals, two-minute journals, you know, cell phone journals, photo journals. One of the real powers of journaling in my life has been to help bring awareness to these patterns, exactly what you're talking about. Help me see, oh, wow, last month I was really worried about sales, and now I'm really worried about getting all the work done, and maybe the issue here is just the issue of worry and not what is going on around me. So journaling is a powerful tool to, one, it helps reinforce presence because you have to sit down and do it intentionally. And then two, I think it helps you see that exactly what you're talking about, Jenna, is the patterns that we can get into and whether they're helping us or not. A second practice is very simple. It just takes attention. And that is to listen to your body's cues. The invitation we all have is to stop overriding them and to slow down to hear them. So in any moment you choose, you can ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Do I feel the seat that I'm sitting on? Do I feel the floor or the earth beneath my feet? What does that feel like to be grounded and supported? What sounds do I hear in the atmosphere or in the room? What am I seeing? What am I sensing? Where is the other person that I'm in conversation with? Where are they coming from beyond the content? Do I feel expanded? Do I feel safe? Do I feel okay to speak my truth? Am I holding back? These questions, your body will begin to give you cues. And as we listen more, we'll be able to feel more. And as we feel more, we'll be able to see more. And as we feel, see, and hear more, we'll be able to sense and know more. And that's the get, one of the gifts of awareness. What's another practice area you want to share, Jeff? Um, well, I think I'd, I'd echo back one of the things we mentioned earlier about if you can give yourself a half step to listen to your own statements or thoughts, you know, there are kind of giveaways sometimes. What if, um, I can't believe I wish I had, these are all, you know, cues that we might be living in the past or focusing on the future and just encourage their encouragements to come back to, okay, what, what's actually true right now? You know, what, What's the information that's true right now? What's the one step I can make today? That's a, another whole podcast, but it's a powerful way of just being aware of when you might be lost in the past or lost in a few days from now. I'll add one more. Maybe this is, can be the last one for now. I think, you know, as it relates to listening to your body, as I just was saying, is, is observing the space that you're in with another 
what is another person's body language? So one was listening to your own. One was just watching and noticing, observing another, whether that's in the space or whether that's literally coming from their expression. And I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I was with my son in his therapy appointment. And it was, I came in for the last five minutes to have a debrief. And I noticed the moment that the, the therapist started recapping that Riley physically shut down. He became into like a cocoon-like position. His head was down. He was looking at his fingers. He was kind of curled up and curled over. And I just stopped the conversation and I said, I observe that Riley, you appear to be very shut down right now. And it was really helpful for the three of us to be able to talk about how how he shuts down, why he shuts down, and get him to validate what his body was speaking. Like it was like this neon sign that said, I am full. Like I don't need to process anymore, I'm done. Or, you know, the concerns and the feelings he was having was uncomfortable for him to feel. And so his body went into that. I was so grateful that not only did I notice it, but that I spoke it without judgment, just as an observer. Here's what I'm seeing. Is this true? Um, And we all have that opportunity. You may not want to (laughs) speak it out loud. It may not feel safe or um, important to do in that moment. But notice Notice who you're in a conversation with. Notice the feeling on a call. Notice what the body language is, what the space feels like in your meetings and with your colleagues and with the work that you're doing at home and in your career. It's all information that helps us become more awake and aware. So that's a lot about aware right there. And I would say just like presence, the reason it's a lot is because being aware or awareness isn't a goal. It's not a destination. It's a practice. It's, it's a choice. It's an active process of deciding how we want to be. And you never get there. Um, what we learn is how to more easily shift there or how to more easily see when we're not there where we want to be. But we're all learning and we're all on the same journey. So that's why we could probably spend two more hours talking about it, but we're not going to today. (laughs) Where we're going next, just to tee up um, what's going to happen on our next episode is for us right now, it's going to be the start of February. We're going to explore connection next week, but we're going to do it mainly from the perspective of self-connection and how you can be your own Valentine. And it's just a nice, it's a phrase we've been using for a few years and I think it's super nice and I don't know. That sounds so quaint to say it's nice, but it is. It's nice. So next, we're going to unpack that a little bit and give everybody some some Valentine's Day chocolate. Yeah. How do we love ourselves more so we can give others the love that we seek? Um, Well, thank you so much for staying with us and for tuning in, for watching us if you did. Again, invite you to visit our our website at plentyconsulting.com. And if we can help you grow, Um, or we can help you with your social purpose strategy, we would love to do so. We really appreciate um, you following, you liking, you commenting, rating this podcast plenty for everyone. 
and we look forward to uh, talking with you very soon. Thanks so much all. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.